Hey friends, welcome back to Sacred City Vision Drip, a podcast that is designed to establish and refine the gospel culture that we have here at Sacred City Moline. And uh, we're continuing on in a series, mini-series here that we're doing called How to Destroy Your Church. Of course, I don't want you to destroy the church. Um, but I think these are things that I'm trying to identify that that if they go unchecked can actually be quite destructive uh, in the context of Christian community wherever you find yourself, whether that's here at Sacred City Church in Moline uh, or across the river or elsewhere. These are things that um, that I think our flesh, our sinful desires can can oftentimes stir up and, and become counterproductive uh, to the kind of community that we not only want to be a part of, but want to be a part of creating. Um, and so what I want to do today, uh, I'm actually... I'm, I'm just going to right up front. This is not a lot of original content here. I'm, I'm going to be borrowing from a book um, that is written by uh, a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he was a, uh, a German pastor uh, during the time of World War II. He was quite famous, but one of the, his best contributions was this great little book. It's a tiny little book um, called Life Together, um, and, and the subtitle is The Classic Exploration of Faith in Community. And, and I do think this is this is a great resource. Um, I don't know, 150 pages or so that, uh, is just full of, of wisdom and sort of addressing some of the challenges of, of Christian community. And I think he was dialed into that pretty well and, and still proves to be a valuable and uh, pretty, pretty prophetic resource here, uh, in our times. And so I wanted to uh, extrapolate on a couple of ideas that he he pinpoints as being sort of um, self-destructive to the kind of community that we want to build. Um, and, and I think he starts out by acknowledging the fact that, um, and I think I'm, this is mostly in chapter one, but he starts out by talking about how um, we as just human beings tend to naturally drift to those who we have the most in common with. Um, you, you see this all over the place. Like the the, way, the reason why you have friends is you, you probably have something in common with them. And, and even going back to C.S. Lewis, um, he talks about the four loves that, that love of a friend is someone who looks at another person and says, oh, you too? Um, that, that common bond, that co- commonality, the common ground that they might share that actually brings them together. Um, it's not enough to just have this sort of um, a likening of personalities, but there has to be um, this sort of common ground that we both find ourselves occupying. And uh, I think that's natural. I think that that um, a lot of your, your most uh, robust and enjoyable relationships are going to kind of come out of the ground, uh, that, that kind of fertile soil, that, that you share that, um, that likeness, that, that commonality together. And what he says is, that while that's true, um, there's also a, a reality that Christian community is not built. Uh, I mean, there, there's one common ground that that brings us all together, right? There's there's one doorway into the family of God and God's community, His household, um, and that is the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is able to transcend all other differences, whether it be cultural or preferential or hobbies or uh, cultural. Maybe I said that already, um, but in, anything that would naturally sort of group us together. He says all of that still is is relevant. Relevant in, in one degree, but the thing that brings us together is ultimately Christ. It's not a love for contemporary worship music, or it's not a, a love for a certain kind of tradition. Um, it's a love for Christ. And because of that, the church, you find very quickly, is a, 
a pretty um, diverse, it's meant to be a diverse family. Um, you see this even in the way that the Apostle Paul talks about the members of the body, um, and they all have different functions and have all different characteristics, but it, but when they're brought together um, under the headship of Christ, they, they all have their own roles and are able to do things. And I think we oftentimes think of that in terms of giftings, um, but it's also true in terms of sort of uh, cultural backgrounds and other sort of preferences that we we might have. And, and there's something really beautiful about that, about God bringing a bunch of different um, people together and, and seeing diversity in the body. But there also brings um, some challenges with that as well of like, how do we accommodate for one another? How do we, how do we, uh, we have to have some kind of a culture, um, but what culture is that going to be? And one of the things that he observes as we have this reality kind of going on in the background of Christian community is that there's a tendency um, to be become sort of cliquish, um, that that we uh, become so uh, drawn to the people who are like us, um, who are also Christians, that we may... Um, either on accident or intentionally sort of exclude people. Um, and, and it's driven a lot of, by self-interest of, of like what I want, what I like. Um, and he says that that, that mentality uh, of clickishness is going to be um, very problematic in specifically in the mission of God, because what God is doing, as we saw in John chapter eight, Jesus has, has these sheep um, that are yet not in the flock or in the fold um, specifically that he's going to bring into it. And in in that context, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, but we can also say in the sense of, of if we think of Sacred City Church as uh, its own flock, um, there are people that God intends to bring into it through um, through the the gospel proclamation that we do, the way that we live our lives, the way that we live in community on mission, that God desires to bring more people into. And this is one of the reasons why we are a, a, we we call ourselves a missional church. We're evangelistic in our our focus, meaning that there are people who are right now um, maybe seen as outsiders that God wants to bring inside. There's people who are are outside of the family of God that God is intending through the gospel of Christ to adopt into his family and to bring them into this body. And I think that one of the things that this cliquish mentality does is really stands as a barrier um, to mission, to bringing people in. Now, I, I've got an example of this that um, that I'll share here in a minute, but but I, I think this gets um, expressed in a bunch of different ways. I don't think it's I don't think anybody would explicitly say, "Oh, I don't want people who are not like me to be part of this." But but we oftentimes our actions can speak louder than our words, and that gets demonstrated when when newcomers or people who maybe don't don't have like the insider angle um, come around, and it feels off-putting to them. And there's an example of this from a big learning uh, moment in my life and in my ministry. This is probably eight nine years ago, um, I was leading a missional community and we had become a very tight knit group of people. Like we, um, we'd probably been a missional community together, the core of that group being together for probably two years or so. And so in that time you build rapport, you get to know each other, you like each other, especially if you have a lot of, you know, your your life season of life is the same or or you just have that common ground. It's, it's easy to kind of like have that focus on, um, the community and the people who are already there that makes you kind of overlook the people who are wanting to make their way in. And one night we're at missional community and, uh, you know, this lady had been coming to to Sunday gatherings for a little while, kind of on and off over the last month or two, and I had recognized her face, um, and, and maybe even talked to her a little bit. And I saw her out of the corner of my eye. I'm across the the house, and I see her kind of come in, and she starts taking her shoes off, 
And everybody in my missional community at that point is sort of just focused on what's going on there. Now, there, there's... I'll, this may kind of sound like I'm making excuses, but there, this is a legitimate thing. But um, the doorway is is was not in this house was not easily seen from the living room. Um, kind of had to have have the right angle to kind of look in and see. So we just assumed somebody, one of our our folks, was opening the door, was making their way in, bringing the food, getting settled, all of that stuff. Uh, but in reality, this lady had walked in. Um, she had picked up one of those connect cards that we have um, in the lobby um, to get connected to a mission community. She found the address and sort of on her own volition without knowing anybody is taking a, a bold move of of going to a stranger's house um, to be part of a, a community or to step into that, um, something that she had never done before. And so, uh, you know, as you can imagine, her her nerves probably were quite high, but, but something unfortunate happened where she comes in. She starts taking her shoes off. Nobody greets her. You know, everybody was sort of like kind of trapped in their own little bubble, um, catching up with friends, you know, from the week before. And she kind of, she takes off her shoes. She maybe takes a couple steps in. Nobody greets her. And then she kind of panics and, and then decides that maybe this is time to bounce. Nobody's greeted me. Nobody welcomed me. Nobody, you know, as far as she knows, nobody even saw me. And, uh, and so she puts her shoes back on and walks right out the door. Now that was one of the most humbling moments of, of my tenure as a missional community leader, that we would have somebody that have the courage to step into the room, uh, step into a stranger's house. And we didn't welcome them. We didn't, we didn't make an effort to set, to even peek around the corner and see who, who was coming in, you know? And, and I think in that moment, um, uh, you know, it's easy to make excuses. Oh, this must be so-and-so's guest. We'll let them greet them. Um, but this cliquish mentality really can stop us from being a hospitable group um, and of, of having this mentality of, of realizing they're strangers. Um, and I don't mean that in like a stranger danger kind of way, but there are people who are maybe foreign to the group that are, are, are interested in becoming part of the group that um, are willing to take a bold step forward. And, and if they're not welcomed, if they're, they're not met by a hospitable welcome, uh, they they might very quickly re- think, you know, and come to the conclusion that, oh, this may not be a place for me. And so this is one thing that we need to be on guard of, especially as we have communities that, that I mean, we do go deep and we do have great relationships here in our church and we praise God for those. And, and we don't want to discount those or we don't want to, you know, say we don't want those. That's not at all what I'm, I'm after here, but we need to be the kind of community um, that gets past the cliquish tendencies that are maybe self-interested and have this extra focus on on being hospitable of of welcoming people um, who are wanting to make their their way in and and I think this gets into some really practical things here to talk about um, as far as I think that it's it's the duty of every single person in a missional community that when there's somebody new, that it is your duty to go up and introduce yourself. It's your duty to go up and engage with them in conversation, ask them about themselves. You know, there, there's a couple of things, and this was a podcast uh, from a while back. We talked about um, b- making friends. Um, th- we're just simply starting the process of making friends with people, and and this friendship, obviously, through the gospel, is going to have some kind of agenda that that we're after. Uh, gospel growth and sanctification, but we're in, in the beginning stages of building relationship. And so it needs to be on the radar of everybody, not just the people who are, are outgoing and extroverted, but everybody to make an attempt to, to welcome, to greet, um, to, to strike up conversation, whether it be at the dinner table or, or even the missional community, asking questions that helps this person feel engaged and involved. Um, and I think that cliquish attitude can really stop um, our communities from growing. 
And I think that because we we want to see more people come to know Jesus, we want to see more people discipled and walk in the way of Christ, that we have to have this missional, hospitable mentality. Um, otherwise, our, our missional communities are going to kind of stay the same size forever. And, and I do think that, you know, like if you really boil it down or get down to the heart of things, there might be some self-interest that, that we just, we like that. We like having the people that we already know, we like, you know, the, the, you bring somebody new into a community and, you, and they might get, dis, it might disrupt the ecosystem for a little bit until they can get integrated. And so there, there can oftentimes be the self-interest that stops us from making that move. But again, because we want to see more people know Jesus, um, come into the gospel and, and become disciples of Christ, we, we need to have, fight against this cliquish attitude. Um, and, and I think you see that in Jesus's ministry himself, with just the fact, look at his disciples, look at the 12 disciples that he called to himself. Um, you know, there, there is a, there's a large representative of blue collar workers that Jesus calls up. That's not your typical crew of people that if, if you were going to, um, start a, uh, basically a, a worldwide reformation, um, I don't know if any, any, um, culture shaper minded person is going to jump to these people, but Jesus, you know, he grabs some fishermen, he grabs tax collector, he grabs a zealot. He, I mean, he just kind of pulls from all over the place and you can see that even, even in the relationship and you can imagine this speculate, I suppose, uh, the relationships of those 12 men that have been pulled together by Jesus, I, I would imagine that there was a bit of a learning curve there of how do we actually function as a community together? I'm sure that there were all kinds of little squabbles or all kind of, just like a learning curve. There were all kind of, um, growing pains that came with, with being this kind of community. But, but as you see with the three years of Jesus ministry and these, these men walked with him, um, and then the advancement of the church that takes place afterwards as they kind of all kind of shoot out their own ways and, and create a kind of community that reflects the community that Jesus had built, they, they couldn't operate within this cliquish mentality. And so um, this is one of the things that Bonhoeffer points out is, is we have to have an eye for the lonely. We, and that's one of the reasons why um, in the pastoral welcome every Sunday, one of the one of the things, if I can remember, say it, because sometimes I, there's, there's things that I, I try to say that I, I forget or my mind jumps over. But, but one of the things I, I say is like those who are lonely and are looking for a place to belong, we, we welcome you. And we want to be that kind of welcoming presence, that welcoming community um, within our missional communities. And, and if we're not thinking outside of ourselves... Um, it's really hard to be welcoming. And there's some people who do this very well, exceptionally well. And uh, they are such a great resource and, and a person that we can learn from in our missional communities. Um, but again, I think this is a responsibility that falls on the shoulders of every single person in the mission community of, of being engaging, of being hospitable, of being welcoming that we need to, to work toward. And, and if not, I mean, ultimately the, the lifespan, uh, on a community missional community like that will be shortened, um, and we don't want that. We want our mission communities to grow and to multiply and to advance. So that way more and more people in our city have access to these communities where we're growing in the gospel or growing in our, our Bible understanding together. Um, and so this cliquish mentality oftentimes can can destroy um, the community. Now, there's another thing that I want to point out that Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about. Um, and this is, I think it's probably, I think this is probably the best part of this book. Um, because he points something out. Um, he says, I'm going to read a couple uh, uh, passages here. But um, he talks about the difference between having... Um, being part of a true community and being part of an ideal community. And, and what he, 
he's getting after is that you can destroy the community that you have, um, the community that you're currently a part of, by idealizing that community to be something that it, it is not yet, um, and letting the ideal be something that um, you're holding people to the standard, whether it's communicated or not communicated, that can undermine um, the growth, the, 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 the forward momentum and um, growth trajectory that a missional community can have um, by, by elevating the ideal of community. Now, I think Scripture gives us a framework for what this community looks like. I think you look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. Um, that's a place that we go to oftentimes to talk about the kind of community, the kind of gospel community the gospel creates. Um, and I think that's a really helpful framework for understanding. But, but there's a way that we can use that in a way that undermines the community that we have in real time, where the dream of community can become sort of um, restrictive. It can, it can be something that, that suffocates the community that we have now. And, and here's what Bonhoeffer says. He says, he who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. Even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial, God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law. He judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all in the, uh, the circle of the brethren. He acts as if the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren and an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. Now, I, I think this is a revealing thing, and, and, and one of the things that I think this gets at is, is um, I was going to do a, a, its own podcast for this, but he just sums it up so well that I'm just going to, I'm going to lump it in here, but, but it's this attitude of being more of a critic than a contributor. Um, you have this ideal, you have the standard, you have this dream, which might be good, and it, and it might be aligned to Scripture. But instead of that being a dream that propels the community forward into the dream, it becomes uh, sort of a, a critical background. Well, we're not doing this. Well, we're not doing this. Well, we're not doing that. And there are going to be people who are more, you know, like of the reformer mentality of, of like, here's the ideal. Here's here's what's right. Here's what's good. And, and I, I share some of the sentiments myself. That and we want to pursue those things. Um, but if you if you do it from a condescending critical perspective rather than a, a constructive to build up into that direction. Um, approach, then you're going to have this oppressive and suffocating force in your mission community where it just feels like you're the judge, you're the one who, who gets to say so, you're the one who, and instead of contributing to the growth of that, instead of contributing to the sanctification of, of the community, which is happening in real time, it's not just individuals being sanctified, but us as a community being sanctified, and if you're the critic there always pointing the finger, one, that's not a very life-giving and joyful place to be. Not a lot of people like showing up to community here oh, we're, well, we're not doing this well enough. And, and that might be true. It might be true that there are places where we can grow, but the approach in this is actually the problem because it's saying we need to do this better, we need to do this better, and it comes with a list of demands rather than sensing, okay, what what is God trying to do here? Um, what are the good things? What are the evidences of grace? What are the things that the Spirit has really already produced in us that we can be thankful for and celebrate while at the same time realizing that there's more to be done, that God wants to do that? And so having this critical mentality and having this this idealistic dream of community 
and letting that be sort of um, the measure of all things can a lot of times put this this heavy weight on a community that just makes them feel that that we cannot live up into that. Um, and and so he says, um, immeasurable times a whole Christian community has broken down or, or, or like be destroyed. Because it has sprung from a wish dream, the serious Christian set down for the first time in a Christian community is likely to bring with him a very definite idea of what the Christian life together should be and try to realize it. But God's grace speedily shatters our dreams. So here's the thing. It's like... We might have an, an agenda for our community, but God has an agenda for our community too. And if our agenda is not submitted to God's agenda, then we are going to be working at odds. And he says, just as surely as God desires to lead us in the knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate with ourselves. By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period in a dream world. He does not abandon us to those rapturous experiences and lofty moods that come over us like a dream. God is not a God of the emotions, but of the God of truth. So here here he's getting at is, you know, if you're going to bring in this critical attitude, critical spirit to a community, it's not going to give life. It's not going to help people build up. You might be able to identify rightly so what's wrong with the community, but but perhaps your approach to it does not give the clear path forward. Now, I think this is one of the responsibilities of, of missional community leaders, and I think I think this is where um, we would welcome some some constructive criticism from some of our uh, MC members. You know, and 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 I think that your if, if you're going to voice concerns about missional community, it, one, it helps if you're really invested. If, if they can look, your MC leaders can look and see, okay, these people are really bought in. They really care about the people. They're, they're for our mission. They're for what we're doing. And I can receive this as something that is, is constructive, that they want to be part of the solution rather than just being the identifier of all the problems. And, and a lot of times, it's like you think about this, missional community leaders, you know, they're, they're working full-time jobs or they're raising families. They're, they're doing a lot of other stuff in the community and, and they've stepped into this calling to, to like lead other people and, and they're doing it from a lay position. They're not getting paid by the church. They, they don't have time built into their, their work week, um, where they get to sit down and, and think about this. This is all voluntary. It's all part of, of just a, a love for the church, a love for God, a love for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And they want to do this. And, and they're a lot of times, you know, <clears throat> they're doing the best they can. And, uh, and a lot of times a critical spirit comes in and says, well, well, the best that you can is not good enough. And, uh, and, and we want to not, we want to be constructive. We want to be people who contribute to the solution rather than just isolate and identify all of, of the problems. And so this is one of the problems. I think one of the destructive tendencies of, of communities having this idealized version of community, or even here's another example of this as, um, you know, my, my experience when I was in college, I was part of an incredible Christian community we had, and, and it was unique because, you know, all of my friends were, were all in the same life stage. Um, we're all going to college, we've got, you know, we're, we're taking up our studies, but at the same time, we have a lot of free time. And so we could develop this Christian community. We could develop a, a strong brotherhood. Um, and, and it would be unfair of me to take that experience in my college when I have very little responsibility. I didn't have a family. I didn't have a serious job. I was just, you know, doing schoolwork stuff and, and having free time. And I take that experience and then transition that into the real world where people have more responsibilities. People have family. They've got big boy jobs, big girl jobs, and then expect that at any waking hour of the day, I can call up 
somebody from my community or I can, you know, it's just like every night of the week we're going to be doing something together. It's just not realistic. And so we have to, to be careful. And I've seen this happen several times, whether it's with, you know, college ministries or, or intervarsity or, um, uh, what are the other ones? Fellowship of Christian athletes or any, any of those ministries that they really do a strong job of, of cultivating community that that's done very well in a specific season of life that doesn't take in account for how life changes and how, how seasons of life advance, you know? And, and in fact, this might be something, actually, we just talked about this, um, over at the sacred city life podcast with pastor Justin and some of the other guys talk about how, how life changes through different seasons and, and the, the, the opportunities and temptations that come in different seasons of life and how time changes and responsibility changes and all this, it's all helpful to have that, that, that mindset or have, have that information sort of in view as you think about the ideals of community and being able to make concessions and being able to make adjustments to, to what I'm expecting from people based on uh, the margin that they have, the availability, what they have left to give on top of the other responsibilities that they have. And so if we bring in these, these super high lofty dreams, a lot of times it's going to be destructive. A lot of times, rather than appreciating the community for what it offers at the time um, and being to appreciate those things and see where God's growing us, we just come in with a list of demands. And, and it, I, I would just say that that doesn't work well. It doesn't work well in a job setting. Um, it doesn't work well in Christian community. It doesn't work well with family. Um, and so we need to, one, just be patient. I, I think that that's, that's part of it. I think that's a big, a big piece is our lack of patience doesn't allow us, um, the, the framework doesn't, doesn't allow us the ability to, to like give grace to where community's at while at the same time pursuing a more glorious, um, and robust kind of community from a, a more constructive angle. And so those are a couple that uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer lays out in his book. I, I'd highly recommend picking up this book and, and giving it a read. Um, it's a great book, uh, helpful for thinking about community, about life together, about um, how we go to the Word together, how we pray together, all of these things that are really constructive pieces of, of our Christian community. But but these two of, of having sort of this cliquish insider view of community and uh, idealizing our community or having this dreamer's view of community can become pretty problematic if those things are not uh, tempered by by the reality of time, uh, of the reality of the nature of what community is for. And so rather than going down these paths of being sort of insular or having this sort of uh, oppressive um, dreamer vision of what community could be, it's like, how do we receive these things? How do we appreciate what God's already done? And so I just wanted to throw those things out there today. Uh, and say, hey, here's here's a couple pitfalls that we have. Here's a couple opportunities where we can veer into the ditch, and uh, and by God's grace, as we we recognize Christ and his his life, his ministry, of the way that he welcomed the outsider, as we you know, Jesus didn't have this idealistic view. He didn't have these expectations with these guys that he brought into community that right away they'd figured out. I mean, <clears throat> even just reading through Matthew's gospel um, this this week in our Bible reading plan, I guess you're, you're probably a couple of weeks behind from when you actually hear this, but about how his frustration they. They didn't, they weren't picking up on what Jesus was talking about. He's like, why, why don't you understand what I'm saying? Um, that if Jesus had this sort of idealistic version of these guys when he pulled them in, um, it, it would have been a pretty um, unfortunate uh, series of events. But Jesus demonstrates patience and he, he sees the will of the Father expanding over time and says, okay, these men certainly have places to grow. Our community can definitely grow. And by the grace of God expanded over time, um, we, we're likely to see these growths. And as we continue to speak truth and love to one another, uh, we create an atmosphere, a culture where growth actually does happen um, 
with patience instead of making a list of demands. And so I, 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 I think both of these things um, kind of fall under the umbrella of, of selfishness. I think if you're to zoom in, I guess, or, or zoom out even further of what umbrella this fits under is, is just the, the selfish nature of how I want to make community about me. And if you're making community about me, that doesn't go well. Because if you get a whole community of people put together that are all thinking the same way, that they're all thinking this community exists for my sake, um, to meet my needs, to be um, what I want it to be, you're, you're going to get a bunch of people playing tug of war in a different directions. And, and so instead of moving forward together, you're working against each other. And we don't want to do that. We want to be working together as a team, as as the, the family of God, uh, to build a community that's, that's really uh, excels at gospel hospitality, at mission, at uh, fostering gospel growth and uh, um, helping people walk in every aspect of life with Jesus. So those are my two things um, under this this umbrella for today. I probably got one more, maybe two more episodes under this heading of how to destroy your church. I hope these have been helpful for you. I want to know, is there anything else that you can think of that, that maybe in your time at Sacred City or, or in other Christian communities that you've identified as things that could be counterproductive to building the kind of church um, or the kind of community that we want to build here? And uh, if so, let me know. S- send me an email, same at sacredcitychurch.com. I want to hear from you. Um, and... Uh, and hopefully uh, this will be continue to be helpful for you as we build uh, a robust gospel culture here at Sacred City Church. Thanks for listening in. I'll see you guys at church on Sunday as we worship the Lord together. Take care. Have a great week.